Eric De La Garza, everybody. Eric De La Garza. Thanks, buddy. Seven degrees. Seven degrees. Who lives somewhere when, when you wake up, the thermometer says seven degrees? You people, you people. You're not supposed to cheer about that. Oh, 77, we cheer for that. Well, good morning and welcome. Great to have you this morning. Hope you had a truly wonderful Christmas. Hope you enjoyed uh, family, maybe some food, maybe a little bit of football. But I hope that you enjoyed your blessings. Hope that you uh, gave thanks for them and savored every moment that you had uh, with all of that. I want to thank you for a great Christmas Eve service, church. Thanks for bringing your friends. Thanks for inviting your family members to join us. It was a great night. Thank you for being so welcoming. Thank you for creating a really neat spirit in this room. Uh, lots of visitors, lots of first-time guests. And uh, if we're lucky enough to have you back, if, if Christmas Eve was your first night with us and you're back this morning, welcome. Uh, we're glad that you enjoyed what you saw, that you were encouraged by what you experienced, and we hope that more of that will happen for you this morning and in the weeks and months to come. Uh, again, know that you are our honored guest. If you are visiting with us this morning, Ryan already mentioned it, but fill out one of these visitor forms for us. A great way for us to get to know you a little bit better, send you some information about the church. And again, if you turn this into the Welcome Center, we'll give you a free coffee mug, which will come in very handy this week. Uh, before we dive into this morning's lesson, I want to quickly look back on the series that we just wrapped up, that we just concluded on Christmas Eve. Uh, in the month of December, we did a series entitled, He Shall Be Called. And we looked at this little Old Testament passage that was written hundreds of years before Christmas was even on the calendar. And yet, this little passage speaks to the enormity of what happened on that first Christmas. It's really what we need to be thinking about every Christmas. I'm not sure if you picked up on this through the series, though, but God chose to, gave us, to give us the greatest gift that he could think of. He chose to, to give us the gift of himself, the gift of his son. And, and if you missed any of those messages over the last three or four weeks, you've got to go back and listen to those messages because when you, when you get the gift of Jesus, when you receive the gift of Jesus, all these other gifts come along with him. You get the gift of, of wisdom and guidance because he's our wonderful counselor. When you receive the gift of Jesus, you get the gift of might and power because he's the mighty God. When you get the gift of Jesus, when you receive the gift of Jesus, when you open up that little present, you also get the gift of love and affection because he's our everlasting father. And when you open up the gift of Jesus, when you open up that little present, that little package, you also get the gift of peace and tranquility. See, God gave us Jesus because in giving us Jesus, he gave us everything we could ever want and everything we need. Amen? In giving us Jesus, he's given us everything. And I hope that you saw that through this series. If not, ask for your money back on your way out. Actually, don't. The elders will be mad at me for saying that. Um, but hopefully you see now that, that what you want for Christmas and hopefully what you should want every day is Jesus. Because with him come so many other amazing gifts. Let me pray that. I just want us to kind of be reminded of that and have that sink deep in our hearts before we continue on. Father, we thank you that for unto us a child was born. We thank you that unto us a son was given. We thank you that he is a wonderful counselor, that he can guide us through the highs and the lows of this life. We thank you that he is a mighty God, that he resembles you 
and manifest your power, Lord, in our lives. So he doesn't just guide us, but he helps us to get where we need to go and to get through what we're going through. We thank you that Jesus is an everlasting father to us, that he makes known to us your love and your, your care, your concern for us, God. That we don't have a boss or a judge or a cop as a God. We have a father. And we thank you, God, that he is our prince of peace. That he comes not to hurt us, but to help us. That he comes, God, and, and even though there should be conflict between us, because we've done some things that, that upset you, but Lord, you come in a peaceful way because you want to have peace with us and you want to give us peace. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the gift of your son. Help us not to forget him as we move into the new year, but help us to make this new year all about him. Uh, it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Uh, one of my favorite things, church, about the end of the calendar year is all of the year-end and year-in-review videos that come out. Anybody else love watching kind of those five to ten-minute highlight videos, right, those highlight reels? From CNN to ESPN, I love watching these videos that showcase and remind us of all that happened over the last 12 months. It could be sports-related, for entertainment, maybe politics, pop culture, but I love seeing and hearing about the things that made 2015 so special. And so I thought this morning that we would do something similar here at West Pulse. What better way to end the year and to celebrate 2015 than to have our own year in review service. So this morning I want to share with you all that God has done in and through this church over the last 12 months. And I want to tell you how we're doing in terms of reaching our 2020 goals. Call this a halftime speech, a State of the Union address. I just want you to hear about. I want you to be reminded of and I want you to recommit yourself to the things that we feel God is calling us to be and to do as a church. So last year I came to you with something called our 2020 vision. It's a list of things that we as a church, we're going to be praying for and working towards over the next five years. See, the saying goes, if you don't know where you're going, you're guaranteed to get there. And I don't want that to be the case for this church. I don't want that to happen here at West Bowles. I want us to be intentional. I want us to be purposeful. I want us to be strategic in how we do what we do. And so we came up with a 2020 vision, and it's all rooted, and it all starts in our purpose statement. It's a declaration of the two commandments that are written above this stage. We love God, and we seek to love others. That's what we want to be about See, when asked what was most important in the entire Bible, in all of the law, Jesus said in Matthew 22, it all boiled down to two things, loving God and manifesting your love for him and your love for others. Checking off certain boxes, looking certain ways, performing certain religious duties, those fail miserably in comparison to truly, intimately, sacrificially loving, loving God and loving other people. Now, there are a lot of ways to do that, right? There are, there are multiple ways, they say, to skin a cat. I'm not sure who would ever want to skin a cat. Maybe Rebecca, you would. Yeah, maybe it sounds like. <laughs> but there's a lot of ways to skin a cat. But there's a lot of ways to live out that commandment. That's one of the wonderful things about that commandment. That's why I think Jesus gave it. Because there's not a one-size-fits-all. You can only do it this way kind of thing with those two commandments. Love God and love others. There's a lot of ways to do that. That can manifest itself in a lot of different ways. But as a church, the way that I want to do it, the way I think that God is calling us to do it, the way I want to see those two commandments lived out is through three little powerful words. Belong, believe, and become. 
See, as we seek to love God and love others, our goal and our hope is to have as many people in the southwest Denver area belong to a Christ-centered community, believe in Christ as Lord, and ultimately become a disciple of Christ. And we've chosen those words very specifically, and we've placed them in that order very specifically and intentionally. We want people to belong. So we want people to feel as if they are a part of a family and not just attendees at a church service. We want them to be known by name and hopefully know a few other people by name. We want people to know that, that their spouse is a part of this family. Their kids are an intricate part of this family. That no matter what age you are or what life stage you find yourself in, you are an integral, intricate part of this church family. See, the early church in the book of Acts was also called the family of believers. And I want those who come to West Bowles to believe they're a part of a family as well. A crazy, large, loud family, but a family nonetheless. And so from our Sunday morning Bible classes, many of which are designed to help people at different points in their lives, to our harvest festival, to our Christmas party, to our stand and greet times, it's all designed to help people belong. We want you to belong here. We want you to know and feel that you belong. We also want people to believe. So we want people to know Jesus by name and to call out his name as Savior. We want them to know the narrative of the scripture and to know the story of the Bible and how their story connects to it and vice versa. We want people to memorize scripture and to believe that God's word is powerful and active and has the ability to help you through everything. We want people to profess with their mouth, believe in their heart, and possibly show through baptism that they have given their lives to Jesus. And so from sermons to Bible classes to Awana to our youth ministry to our recovery groups, it's all designed to help people believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus. We want you to believe. And we also want you to become. We want everybody to become. We want them to become fully formed disciples of Jesus. We want people to live and act and serve and think more like Jesus. And we won't be satisfied if people just show up. That, that's not enough for us. We want their lives to be transformed. We have a leaky gospel, don't we? And we want it to leak into all areas of your life. From your marriage to your parenting to your finances, your spending habits, your understanding of service. We want you to become like Jesus. We want you to walk into the street and someone run into you and be like, Jesus, is that you? That's our hope for every single one of you. And so from our gender-specific ministries to our service projects to all of our Power of One challenges to our Stephen ministry, it's all designed to help you become more and more like Jesus. So West Bowles Church, we love God and we love others. We are committed to doing those two things as well as we possibly can. And we will determine and dictate, I guess, how well we're doing in those two things by those three words, belong, believe, and become. The more of those three words that we see, the more we know that these two things up here are happening. But here's the thing, it's hard to know if those three things are happening, isn't it? It's kind of hard to, to, to put measurables to those, if you will. Those are narratives. Those are things that are, that are hard to, to quantify. And yet, in order to keep moving forward, in order to determine if we're making any progress, we have to put out some sort of mile markers, if you will, some sort of target goal, something to aim for. And that's our 2020 vision. That's where it was birthed. These numbers and these goals that you see every single week in your bulletin, they're simply helping us to see if we are moving in the right direction. 
They're helping us to determine if we're on the right path, if our trajectory is in line with these commands and these goals. I know the numbers don't tell the whole story, but I think they do give us a good indication of how the story's going. So let me just spend a few minutes with you this morning updating you on our 2020 vision. Some pretty exciting stuff. In the next five years, or by the year 2020, West Bowles Community Church has committed to doing, uh, committed to the following things. We are committed to growing 20 to 25% annually in our Sunday morning attendance. Now in 2014, uh, we grew by 20%. This year, we grew by about 6%, which equates to roughly 40 or 50 more people per week. Now that growth is awesome, and we thank God for that growth, but it's a little bit less that I'm praying for, a little bit less than we're all hoping for. So I'll talk more about that here in a minute. We have also committed to welcoming 220 new households into our family. Since last year, we've had nearly 40 households, close to 100 new individuals, go through our two-week membership class and officially sign up to be a part of this new church family. That's around 20% of our goal, so we're right on pace to accomplish this 220 new households goal. We'll be offering another set of membership classes uh, beginning next year, early in the new year. So if you want to learn more about what we're doing, what our story is, what our goals and hopes and dreams are, then pay attention. Listen up for some of those classes and sign on. Sign up to be a part, a more intricate part of this church. We're also committed to giving at least 20% of our budget to missions. And in terms of missions, I don't want to just tell you about it. I actually want you to see it. So here is uh, our best attempt at kind of a year in review, uh, Missions West Bowl style. Watch this. <clears throat> Johnny, great job on that video. What a, what a neat way to see all that happened within the last 12 months here at this church, just as it pertains to missions. We did a great job with missions last year. With that 17000 that we raised, every week I ask you to put a dollar in the bin on the way out. And the following Monday, the staff decides on a family in need and blesses them with that money, whatever's collected that Sunday. We raised over 17000 in the entire year. With that 17000 we helped single moms, new moms, out-of-work dads, young families, older retirees. We paid rent, bought gas, covered medical bills, paid off credit cards, bought gift cards. We did a whole lot more with that money. Well done, church. In terms of mission, we also increased our support of Emily Nadelborg to $500 a month. Emily's a, a young woman, just got married, in fact, last week. Uh, she's working with her new husband at Oregon State University to start a brand new campus ministry. And we want to partner with her and help her to bring the gospel to that place. Speaking of young women, in one week, you helped our own Katie McKenna raise $6,000 to go to YWAM, this intense six-month discipleship training program that she leaves for in just a week or two. If you add up Zimbabwe, Peru, Mexico, local outreaches, college ministries, power of one, it all adds up to nearly $40,000 spent on missions in this year alone. Now that sounds like a lot, and it is. It is. That's a good number. But listen to this. That is only 4% of our overall budget. That's a long way from the 20% that we are striving for. But here's the thing. That 4% is nearly double what we did last year. So if we continue to double... Every year, what we're spending on missions, we will reach our 20% by the year 2020. And that number is going to go up as our general contribution goes up, as our debt goes down. The more income we receive, you can be guaranteed the more of it will go out to bless and serve and help others. Think about this, church. If we can do all of that with 4%, what is possible with 20%?
What could we do with God and for God with 20% of our budget going to missions? Who I want to find out. Don't you? I want to find out. Another thing we're striving to do by the year 2020 is utilizing at least 20% of our space for nonprofits. If there was ever a goal that we blew out of the water, it was this one. We officially partnered this year with a group called Nippenberg Patterson and Associates. It's a, a counseling center run by a strong Christian couple that focuses and specializes on family, marriage, and, and children's therapy. They're an amazing group of people. They're actually renting out the bottom half of our church offices as well as the bottom half of the, the youth building. So they're using anywhere from 1,600 to 7,000 square feet every week as they use the gym and the new playground. We also partner with a new ministry called The One. It's a life coaching and mentoring discipleship ministry that ministers to nonprofit leaders and veterans, businessmen and women. We gave Eric Jacobson, who's leading that ministry, about 700 square feet of office space. Community Bible Study uses our entire downstairs children's wing and fellowship hall every Tuesday night. 24,000 square feet. Audience of One, a nonprofit Christian theater group. Joyful Souls, a nonprofit Christian dance studio. They ran out our chapel multiple times a year for their performances, about 12,000 square feet. Colorado Christian University, Jeffco Public Schools comes in and uses this entire room for their annual performances. It's only 12,000 square feet at a shot. That's amazing, church. I have no way to calculate how all of that falls into place or what all that means percentage-wise, and I didn't have the heart to ask Nathan to calculate it over the Christmas break. But every day, this facility is being used for good. Every single day, nonprofits are using this space to do what they do best, and we are proud to partner with them. We are proud to partner with them. We hope to continue to do that. We also are committed to training 20 interns for full-time ministry. Uh, I'm glad that we could boast about that last one because we're not doing so well on this one. Thus far, we have tried a few times to hire a few interns, to develop an intern model or training program, but each time we ran into some complications and we just failed miserably. Three times this happened in 2015. So we haven't actually had a single intern yet. But, but, we're excited. We're excited about the future. Uh, we're excited as we partner more intentionally and develop stronger relationships with Denver Seminary and CCU. We're hoping it's not us, but we'll find out this year. Uh, the lowest common denominator will be us. So if no one else wants to sign on, we'll have to rethink that goal. And last but not least, we wanted to decrease our debt ratio to about 20%. Uh, this year, we got our debt ratio down to about 36%. What that means is that for every dollar given outside of the power of one, 36 cents of it goes to paying off our debt, goes to paying off our mortgage. Uh, not a horrible percentage, but that's a far cry from the 20% that we're hoping for. Uh, it's a step in the right direction. It's lower than last year. In 2016, we're hoping to refinance the building at a lower rate, lock in a 25-year fixed rate. We're also hoping to aggressively pay down our debt so that every dollar that's given, a greater percentage of it can go to greater things than just paying off the mortgage. That's our commitment to you. Guys, that's 2015. That's our year. It's an amazing year for us. I cannot tell you how proud of you I am and how excited I am about what has happened and what will happen. Praise God. Praise God for this year, for this church. I mean, praise God that we had the energy, the people, and the resources to do all those things. There's not a lot of churches that are standing up or, or pastors standing up before you this morning, wherever they might be, boasting about the year they just had in terms of increased attendance, increased giving, greater missional influence. There's not a lot of people who are able to do that. We can, and we thank God that we can. We're better church than we were a year ago. We're stronger church than we were a year ago. We're healthier church than we were a year ago. 
We've literally and symbolically rebuilt the walls of this church. It was a great year. And now I look forward, and I think about what comes next, and I pray about where we go from here, and I get pretty excited. I get pretty amped up. Like if that was possible in year one, what could be possible moving forward? Now what's crazy is we kind of needed a year like 2015, didn't we? In light of all this church had been through the last seven or 10 years, we needed a year like 2015. We needed a year where there was just like growth and health and encouragement and, and stability. We needed that year. But now, now that we've had that year, now that we've laid that foundation, now we build on it. Now we get to do some really exciting things. So let me share with you one thing as we close this morning that has been on my heart for the last couple of weeks and months, and I want it to kind of propel us into 2016. If we are serious, church, if we are serious about these words, these, this phrase up here, if we're serious about love, then we as a church are going to have to be serious about risk. We're going to have to be serious about taking risks because that's what love requires, right? From sending little notes as a, as a kid across the room to that girl to as an adult, like walking across the, the club restaurant to actually go talk to that beautiful girl, from getting on your knee and asking for someone's hand in marriage to getting on your knee and asking for someone to forgive you, right? When you love someone, when you love them with all your heart, you are risking everything, aren't you? There's no guarantee this is gonna work out well for you. There's no guarantee there's gonna be a return on your investment. There's no assurance. You put yourself out there. You give all you have and you hope. You just hope against hope that it's received well, that it's responded to in a mutually loving way. Oh, it's risky to love. What if this doesn't work out? But what if it does? But what if it does? If we're serious about loving God and loving others, especially those who don't already love God, then we're going to have to take some risks, West Bulls. Jesus said it. He told us. This is what we're going to have to do. He reminded us one of the greatest mistakes we can ever make is to play it safe with our lives. Look at Matthew 10, 39. If you're joining us this morning, normally we spend a lot more time in the Word. I'm sorry this morning is more kind of an in-house message, but this is the one passage I want you to reflect on this week. As you're making resolutions, as you're thinking about what happened last year, what's going to happen this next year, this is what Jesus said. If you cling to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. I think you're saying, take a risk for me. See, playing it safe and doing what you've always done, hedging your bets, hoarding your stuff, making it all about you, taking the path of least resistance, that's risky. That's risky. In fact, Jesus says it's not just risky, that's a recipe for a wasted life. If it's all about you, all about what you want, all about what you would prefer, then you're going to waste your life. Make it about me, Jesus said, and you will find everything you want and then some. I think this passage is saying risk, give, try, explore, attempt, take a chance, go for broke. That's how you'll find life. And every hero in our faith proves that to us, doesn't, don't they? I mean, Abraham risks the life of his precious son. Esther risks her own life by standing before the king. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three guys we're going to talk about here in a few weeks, they risk their lives by stepping into the fiery furnace. Well, Peter risks his life by stepping out of the boat. But everybody is taking a risk. Everybody is taking a chance. Everybody's taking a shot. 
That's good. That's what our faith requires. That's what our faith is all about. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Following Jesus, trusting Jesus, being a disciple of Jesus means that we give up things and we take risks for Jesus. And so I want this church in this next year, I want us to take some risks. If churches have styles or churches have flavors, well, I want West Bowles to be a radical, gutsy, risk-taking flavor. That's what I want from us. And we can do that, church, because of everything that Jesus has already done for us. See, by removing eternal risk, he allows us to make all kinds of crazy temporal risks, doesn't he? I mean, think about this. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Neither death nor life will ever be able to separate us from the love of God. Some of you will be put to death, but not a hair of your head will perish. Whoever believes in me, though they die, they'll have life. Nothing can change your, your ultimate assurance, your ultimate hope, your ultimate reality. So in light of that, Jesus is like, take a few risks in this reality. You're guaranteed something to come. That is there no matter what. So right now, take a chance. Take a risk. It's not about you anymore. I died to save you from you. It's not about performance anymore. It's not about playing it safe and, and stockpiling like, good deeds anymore. It's not about that anymore. It's about taking risks. I saved you to be a risk taker, Jesus says. So from giving away more money to sharing your faith with a coworker, from giving someone uh, or, or praying for someone in bold ways, from believing that miracles are still possible, we gotta take some risks, church. We gotta take some risks in 2016. I know this is hard. I know this, this call is hard. This commission of, of taking risks is hard, right? Every message in American consumerism says, it says the opposite, right? Maximize comfort, increase security, stockpile your wealth, play it safe. Well, guess what? If that's the choir that the world is singing, Jesus ain't a part of that choir. He doesn't sing that chorus line. Jesus says, take a risk. Take a chance. Take a shot. So Jesus doesn't sing in that choir, and neither do you. Neither do you, for that matter. We received some of this crazy feedback on our recent survey, challenging us to rethink some of the ways that we do church from local outreach to global missions, from Sunday morning worship times to Saturday night worship times, the cry of your heart is to reach more people for Jesus. And I say amen to that. And I say, let's go. Let's go. But in order to do that, right, in order to reach more people in this community, we're going to have to take some risks. So in 2016, as it pertains to this church, I just, just basically, here's your message this morning, get ready. Get ready. Get ready to take some risks with me. Now, I don't want you just to get ready. I want you to get excited. I want you to get amped up, and I want you to get on your knees. Because if we're going to take some risks, we're going to need Jesus to help us every step of the way, aren't we? We're going to need him to walk us through this. Here's the thing, right? Belong, believe, become. Belong, believe, become. We in this room most likely already do. We in this room most likely already are. But what about the thousands of non-believers in this community? What about the 200 people who are moving into the Denver metro area on a daily basis? What about the throngs of young people who go to high school right around us? What about the thousands of teens that are living in Littleton? What about the college students who are attending Metro, Red Rocks, Arapahoe? What about them? Do they belong, believe, and become? Not if we don't take any risks. 
But if we're willing to take some risks for them, if we're willing to try new things for them, if we're willing to let go of our preferences and our styles and our old way of doing things and our comfort zones, if we're willing to let go of that stuff and say, Jesus, you have my life, Jesus, you have my church, then guess what will happen? Other people who do not know the Lord will belong, believe, and become. If we take those risks, if we give up our life, give up our church for the sake of others, Jesus will save others. He will bring others. He will bless others. So I don't know. I don't know if you want the rest of the world to belong, believe, or become, but I sure do. I want Littleton to belong, believe, and become. I want teens in this community. I want college agents. I want young families in this community. I want them to belong, believe, and become. You with me? You want that too? I hope that you do. I hope that you do. If we have a unified spirit, if we have a, a risk-taking flavor, if we have the power of the Holy Spirit, man, we're going to do all that men some. So let me close this morning. Let me share with you a few exciting things, just a little tip of the iceberg of some of the things we have planned for the upcoming year. Uh, in light of some of the survey results, it's clear that we need to offer a, an evening worship service that is different from what we're currently offering on Sunday mornings. From the style to the location to the intended audience, we need to offer and pour out some of our resources into a worship, set, worship setting that's geared to the unchurched, that's geared to the next gen. It'll be more experiential, it'll be more prayer-infused, it'll have a much different volume level, uh, it'll have communion every week. We're still working on all the details, but on February 21st, as we kick off our Holy Spirit series, that night we're also going to kick off an exciting new worship service. We're going to have some amazing and talented people who've agreed to help us get this thing kick-started. They're going to come back and help us uh, do this thing. They're going to reach hundreds and hundreds of new people. We ask that you start praying for this worship service now. So we want to be a church that grows through conversion growth, new believer growth, and not just slow transfer growth. So that's one thing. In 2016, we're also going to be launching a new men's ministry that hopefully is going to be this banner and this umbrella for all the other smaller gatherings that have been happening over the years. Man cave. Man cave is coming. It's coming at the end of January. It's going to meet once a month on Sunday nights for a couple of hours. We're going to eat together as men. We're going to study and pray together as men. Then we're just going to hang out and play together as a bunch of men. Once a month, end of the month, man, I need you to start putting that on your calendars now. We'll have a table out in the foyer next week. It's throughout the entire month of January for more information. But, but I'd just love for you to start lifting this ministry up. The men in this community, in this church, need to be more like Jesus. And we're committed to doing that through Man Cave. There's so much more to tell you about. Changes in Sunday morning services. Some great changes in the youth ministry that Nathan and David have been talking about. 2016 promises to be an incredible year. But it's going to be a risky year. But I'm okay with that. None of this is going to happen, though. None of it's going to make any difference if we're not committed to it all. And if we're not praying about it all. So I just want to end our time this morning... Um, by praying for 2016, for you individually and all the hopes and dreams and goals that you're setting up right now, but really for us as a church, that God would do something crazy, something super exciting in this church through all of us. Let's pray together. God, we, uh, we approach you now as humbly as we know how, recognizing, Father, that our best laid plans will fall apart if you're not behind them. And so, God, we come before you on the verge of a new year, and ask that you will move in powerful ways through this church. God, we are thankful for what happened in 2015, for the ways that we saw you moving from new believers to new families, new births, new classes. God, what a great year it was for us, but we pray for more. 
We pray for greater things than these. We pray for you to help us move from one level of glory to another level of glory. So we give you 2016. God, there's so many scary things that I'm thinking about right now, so many exciting things I'm thinking about right now, and we just ask that you would be in all of them, that you would direct our steps and our thoughts and our plans, God, that you would infuse what we're thinking with life. God, as Moses said in the temple, if you don't go with us, then nothing will be different about us. But Lord, if you are in these plans, if you are with us in 2016, God, then we will look back a year from now and we will just laugh and praise and cry and sing because of what we just experienced together. We pray that will be true. We give you new worship services, Lord. We give you changes to worship services. We give you men's ministry. We give you uh, new help. We give you new volunteers. We give you current Bible classes, God. We give it all to you right now. And we just say, do something great through those things, God. Move powerfully through all of those things in 2016. Help us to be humble this year, God. Help us to be faithful. Help us to be courageous this year. Help us to look to you and and just to want to make you proud in all that we do. So again, on the verge, God, of this year, we give it to you and we say, have your way. Do what you can do, what only you can do, God. Help us to reach and bless a lot of people. Help uh, Help us to be committed to loving you and loving others. Help us to be committed to helping others belong, believe, and become. Just help us, God, to be others-centered and others-focused. Just help us to be all about you and your mission and your love for this world. Help us to be that this year in 2016. Please make it so, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, it's been a great morning. So glad you were here. Again, if you're visiting, make sure you fill that card out, put it at the Welcome Center, get your coffee mug. Have a great day. Don't forget your dollar in the bid on the way out. We'll uh, we'll start another 17,000 this morning. Have a great day. Be strong and courageous.